The Nerd and Tie Podcast is unsurprisingly a part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more podcasts from actual play to witchcraft, go to nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by finding an invite at nerdandtie.com slash discord. Did you know you could sponsor Nerd and Tie? That's right. For just a few bucks, we'd say your name here. We'd talk about how cool you are, and we would tell you you look kicking in those jeans. Just go to nerdandtie.com and click on the sponsor information on the website, because that is how websites work on the internet. Just go to nerdandtie.com. On this episode of Nerd and Tie, Paramount Plus Pulse Prodigy, Secret Invasion's AI opening has some people a little uh, unhappy. Uh, Celeste and I saw a Transformers movie, and uh, we got some stuff about Across the Spider-Verse. There's other stuff we might talk about, and uh, I I quiz our young heroes yet again, and uh, we'll see how they do. Welcome to Nerd and Tie, your only podcast on the internet with a dress code. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dorn. Joining me as always are Celeste Startwin. Till all are one. And of course, the uh, stupendous, indomitable Genjamin Prock. Yo, what up? And it has been it has been a heck heck of a heck of a heckin' time, guys. Um mm-hmm. I just wanna like Right now it's it's June. This is June of of twenty twenty three. Um, we're we're almost at ten years <laughs> on the sh- doing this show, and that's weird. Um, obviously we should talk more about that, like when we actually hit ten years. But the fact that we are approaching that milestone is uh, terrifying. It, terrifying. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Terrifying feels right. I mean, Gen's only been with us for six, but still. <laughs> I've been doing this for six years. What? You you came yeah. on at the beginning yeah. of 2017. <sighs> it's 2023. Yeah, You've been doing it for like six and a half years. Time doesn't have to do that to me. <laughs> how dare it? I mean, have you thought about how long you've been doing Stormwood? Nope. Don't want to. Well, if we go to nerdentai.com. Nope. Stormwood, and we go okay let's take a look back let's take a look back at things so oh my god so 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 you've been doing campaign two for about a year and a half jesus that feels weird campaign one started four years ago yeah. Okay. Okay. Happy five-year anniversary. Well, it uh, that'll be next next year because it was April of 2019. Uh, so you've been to four years. You've been doing uh, Stormwood. Still, dang. Yeah. That's uh, that. Well, that's a lot of storm. I don't know if you know this, but we've done three seasons of the Meat Grinder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I remember that too. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's equally that's pretty season, wild. Season three's coming out right now, but we recorded that whole thing last September. Mm-hmm. It was September. We are we are recording a whole new season in September. In just a few months. So, you know, that's we're getting 
time is passing and whether we're prepared for it or not. You know? Don't like it. Don't like it. You don't like it. It's Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh. Anyways, Anyway, speaking of things we're not a fan of, Paramount <laughs> Plus, uh, besides can- canceled four shows this week and immediately pulled them, one of which is Star Trek Prodigy. Um, and within days, like it is already gone off the service. Like they announced it and they didn't even give people time to like get in one last rewatch. It was just we're we're taking it down. We're, we're it's gone. It, yeah, it was literally just, hey, we're getting rid of this, and it it is it is now gone. You yeah. cannot watch Star Trek Discovery. You can watch it internationally. I mean, not Discovery. Uh, I mean, uh, Prodigy. Prodigy. You can watch it internationally in some markets, and uh, there are ways to purchase half of the season here. I think Prime, you can still buy the whole season. Maybe not. Um, but it's there is uh, only the first half of the season is available on like iTunes. And most other platforms, and only the first half, only the first ten episodes of the twenty episode season are available for physical release. And there's no indication that a physical release of the second half of season one is coming. And uh-huh. more importantly, um, season two is in post production. Yeah, the show. There are episodes. There are completed episodes. That, and yeah. for a second season, then there and now we don't even know. Uh, we don't even know if they're going to be posted anywhere. And it, it's yeah. the HBO thing all over again. Well, and and Paramount advertises itself as the home of Star Trek, but there's a whole canonical series that is no longer on that network. Yeah, a big selling point of the platform is all of Star Trek lives here. Well, not anymore, it doesn't. Yeah, it's... Well, and it's... It, it, the whole thing is just really, 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 really um, alarming because, like, not only was Star Trek Pro- Star Trek Project was was pulled, several other shows were pulled um, at the same time, uh, including the um, the the Grease prequel, Rise of the Pink Ladies, um, but also Queen of the Universe, which um, was that Graham Norton uh, hosted like drag show, like drag competition. Right. Their finale literally aired this week. It was the the finale for the reality show was only available on the service for a couple of days before the entire thing got pulled. Yeah, now it's just gone. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it's Grease Rise of the Pink Lady, Star Trek Prodigy, Queen of the Universe and The Game, which was a um revival of a of a sitcom, The The Game, which ran for two seasons on Paramount Plus. Uh and they're just gone and this is like i don't know star trek fans we're completionists we want to have the whole thing and like it's one thing for a Mm -hmm. show to not be available on the air anymore which which is bizarre to begin with to think about because like historically star trek keeps running right like you can watch all of the 90s trek on some cable channel right now you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's you can go out and, and you can find it on syndication. You can find old episodes of the original series and of all the '90s shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, but and and we thought in the modern age, like with the streaming, like there is no there is no 
place that you can go watch this legally right now for us, like the second half of the season, as far as I know. There's um, no way for me to go legally watch the second half of this. Yeah, I might have to go pick up the physical release of yeah. the first half because yeah. I'm because again, I, there's I I know we've said it before. I've especially said it repeatedly. I don't trust streaming services. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is a show that I love and there is physical media of it, I feel it's my duty to go out and purchase it because. That thing that I love might disappear. There's a reason why I own the entirety of Deep Space Nine on DVD. Mm-hmm. And the original series. I haven't picked up Next Gen yet. Um, But, like, my plan was to eventually, you know, pick up every Star Trek show. But, of course, that's not necessarily possible in the modern day and age of streaming platforms not putting out physical releases of shows. And... You know, it's interesting because growing up, like, there were physical releases of stuff, but it was far more common for people to just record everything off of TV. And Star Trek fans would archive shows that way, right? Like, right. Star Trek fans would just archive entire series on VHS tapes. And um, I think, like, that's the thing is, like, a lot of Star Trek fans came up doing that. And unfortunately, uh, I think a lot of us are just going to turn to piracy to archive our shows. Mm-hmm. because there's not really a better way in in a lot of cases. So, um, Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate the streaming services are kind of forcing hands and, like this. Well, they're doing it to save, like, it's. I think they're doing it to save money. I think they're also doing it to spite the writers. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, right now, for sure. And yeah. it's also uh, it's, uh, one of my personal favorite YouTubers, Jesse Gender, uh, pointed out the timing of the prodigy announcement seems almost dead on with uh um right after a really truly like 10 out of 10 uh strange new worlds episode aired maybe in the hopes of distracting star trek fans with this really good strange new worlds episode to take prodigy away and uh not to name drop too much but another friend of our show sean orange from Famicom Dojo was specifically talking about how frustrating it is that Prodigy is like the only current Trek that he can show his kids. It <laughs> and, and like it really was a good show for introducing a new generation to Trek. It it doesn't start out feeling especially Star Trek flavored, but it slowly eases in those Trek plot points and ideas. And it's such a, I feel like it would be such a great, uh, I can't say personally, because of course I, I grew up marinating in Star Trek, but I feel (laughs) like for like a younger generation, this is a great way to get them on board. Yeah. Pun intended. I mean, I grew up, I grew up with in, in a world where the only Star Trek that existed was the original series and the animated series. And so I, as a child watched those on repeat, um, until next gen came out. Uh, right. <laughs> so it's I don't know like it's it's so frustrating. Um and it really what the problem is is that once now that they've pulled it the, I no longer trust Paramount Plus. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing is that the trust is broken now. Like once you do that as a network 
why why am I supposed to trust you with my money now? Like I'm for am sure. I as as a shepherd for this this thing that I love. Cause, and yeah. And unfortunately like they probably don't care about your about the trust of well, their watchers. But here's the thing is I have kept so I know that like they they try not to go too long without a Star Trek airing, but I have kept my Paramount Plus subscription since it was a CBS All Access subscription. I sh- I signed up when pro- when Discovery aired. I signed up and I kept my service month to month. And now mm-hmm. um it's now knowing that these shows can just disappear, I am highly debating that when the next time there is a hiatus between shows of canceling my service. Yeah. And then maybe signing up again when we complete the next season of something, which means that is, I mean, I know that I'm just one subscriber, but that is, you know, months of my, of my monthly payment that they won't get, you know, that's and, very true. and if enough of us start doing that, that's going to really hurt their bottom line because, because a lot of us have kept like, cause like a lot of us who signed up in the early days of CBS All Access signed up and didn't cancel in the hopes that we would help make sure that Star Trek would stay in production, right? That we would Mm -hmm. keep Star Trek on TV. And so, like, now it is a... Now I know that, like, my loyalty as a customer will not be rewarded. That, you know, my loyalty as a fan means nothing. So I... I I am seeing less and less value in giving them my money. Mm. And so that's and I'm not talking about like stealing the new treks. I will do it all legally, but I will perhaps cancel for long periods of time and then play catch up later instead of making sure I immediately watch everything when it airs. Yeah. That's what I truthfully uh I sign. I didn't even sign up for my CBS All Access account until there were two seasons of Discovery. So I, I know yeah. I understand where you're coming from. I was not contributing until, but then there was a, enough of the show that I wanted to yeah. get a better feel for it, and I've been, yeah, I've been really enjoying. I've enjoyed Star Trek. I've enjoyed. Um, like all of the Trek shows I've enjoyed uh, the Transformers cartoon with a non-binary robot an awful lot. Um, I hate watch evil. So like I was getting my <laughs> money's worth. Out I, w- of... I watch, I watch the American ghosts. That's really good. Yeah. The American ghost. That's really good. But like, yeah, I'm in, I'm, I'm right there with you. This is, <sighs> I mean that's this why I'm I'm literally so I'm literally canceling my HP my Max account right now. Like it's mm. for this very reason it's I will sign up again when our flag means death comes back. That's... Yeah, that and I do a I do the exact same thing um with Peacock. Mainly cuz like they don't have a lot of stuff that I'm very interested in. Peacock and I, I only Sorry. I only go there because they um they're the only service that um, live streams the Eurovision contest. I was thinking of temporarily doing them so that I could catch up with AP Bio and then drop it again. 
So I pay for it. I paid on the ad selected tier. So actually Peacock is so cheap with ads that it's like I keep it around because like I think it's like less than seven bucks with ads. Yeah. And um, we like we've been rewatching Columbo on there and like Freebie doesn't have all the specials, like all the post season seven stuff or season Mm. eight, whatever. Um, While all of that's on Peacock. And so like we've been like we we watch it there and then um like actually i think it's are we paying for without ads i don't know um we are we're not paying peacock is hardly any money um and also like uh we like the psych movies so every time like you know i want to encourage them making more of those and uh, poker face is phenomenal yes i Um, have to catch up but also like we watch top chef um and so like we just finished the season of top chef and we watched that through peacock and like when resident alien comes back on sci-fi we're gonna watch that because we just canceled our sling subscription um Mm. because that was probably our most expensive streaming thing because we've been in my household we were just going through our budget and we spend like i think a hundred like it's not over a hundred dollars a month on streaming services and Mm. um the big one was sling because sling we paid 45 bucks a month for because it's live cable and uh until we signed up for peacock was kind of like the last thing that like suddenly all the shows we were watching on sling we were suddenly getting on a streaming service um and so like because like we would i guess when doctor who come well doctor who's going to come to disney plus so i don't need to have um i don't yeah i don't need because i watched uh like i watched all the sci-fi channel stuff top chef i watched doctor who i used to watch um Kevin can fuck himself on AMC. Uh, <laughs> that show's amazing. But I watched like, but a lot of the stuff's on Peacock. And so when I finally gave up and paid for Peacock, and then like knowing that Doctor Who's not going to be on BBC America anymore, it's going to be on Disney Plus. Then it like it's like yeah, I'm paying like I. I like having I liked having like the live television because like you could have like live news like get CNN during like a national emergency or something like that. But I do actually have broadcast television where I currently live, and it's just like, uh, but like we like we have Amazon Prime, we have we Prime, Netflix, Peacock, uh, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, um, Apple TV Plus. Uh, like it's if there's a major streaming platform we've had it and so i'm uh we like uh probably gonna re-up stars pretty soon briefly to watch outlander uh, <laughs> but, but yeah yeah sorry, but no, but, sorry i didn't mean to do no it, it it brings up a bigger um image of like um you know streaming services should be more mindful um of their their audiences because like we want to like we can drop them at at the you know at any point we we they <laughs> like you don't have to have any kind of loyalty to a service these days I can like reinst- I sure don't I can reinstall a Plex server on one of my computers right exactly like and like I just I'm gonna throw this out there I know this is kind of this might go without saying but I see a lot of people discuss the problems they have with streaming services. And I feel like not enough people point this out. And I just want to remind everyone the reason that the streaming 
platform seems so promising. The reason that everyone was so quick to cord cut and jump to Netflix was because there was like one thing, this one big streaming thing that you could sign up for and you'd get tons of shows on. And then because of capitalism, all of these companies that gave streaming rights to Netflix were suddenly like, oh, why do we have a middleman when we could do this ourselves? And then they all decided they needed to have their own freaking streaming platform. Yeah. And I know we're not putting the I know we're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube. I know that's impossible, but this is this is all happening because companies got let greed make them act stupid. Yeah. And those oh, and yeah. those profits well, that they were enjoying, those are going to keep going down and down. And you know what? I'm I'm not going to say I'm an expert. But I'm willing to bet in the long run it would have been a lot more sustainable to just keep letting Netflix have their shit. Well, here's the thing. is like we started out this whole thing. There was Netflix and there was Hulu. And Hulu was a joint venture between, you know, NBC, Fox, and Disney, right? Like there were three right. companies. And then when – and this is the problem with media con consolidation is that when um, – Disney bought Fox. It went from being this platform owned by three companies and like Peacock launches because Disney buys Fox. Right. Because then suddenly NBC is no longer like and NBC Universal wants out of Hulu. Like they want to get bought out because, you know, now it's effectively they are on it's a platform that is effectively owned by by that they are a minor, minority holder. Um and it's so and, and, and like, CBS frankly, held out. If CBS had bought in to Hulu with the other mm -hmm. networks, maybe this wouldn't be so bad. Here, this is my problem. So, like, historically, like, someone could say to me, it's like, historically, you know, used to watch shows and they'd air and then they'd be gone. And we've been spoiled by this, you know, ability to archive things and have physical releases. But the major difference here is, is that historically... When this, when we lived in that ephemeral world, starting in like the late seventies and the early eighties, this thing called the VCR came out. And if you wanted to save something you loved, save the show you were watching, you could, and every person could, and every person had the power to legally, legally archive their entertainment. And we yeah. no longer live in that world as we no longer have easy devices. You could, you could go to like almost any electronics department in any like department store, hardware store and find blank tapes. Uh -huh. You could go to record. Walgreens and buy blank tapes. Yeah. They were everywhere. Yeah, they were, they were literally everywhere. Yeah. It's you go out and you buy a blank was... tape and you just record your show. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, I've, uh, I've watched I have Demolition Man on a VHS sometime where that I recorded off, to, off of a free preview of HBO um, that I watched many times growing up. Um, it's it, it's just so frustrating because now we live like if and where they consider like if you record off of a streaming service, that's considered piracy now. And yep. it's like it's now that's legally penalized. So not only. And that would be fine if they gave us a way to legally access the archives. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that, and they were, that was the promise of streaming, right? That, like, okay, you can watch the show and you can watch it whenever you want. It's there, except now they've taken that away. And so I'm. 
Now, yeah, exactly. Now it's not going to be. It might not be there. It might. And be... now I don't trust them to keep it there. It just feels. It feels like um, the issue with the right to repair for me. You know. Yeah, I can see. We're that. not allowed to do things ourselves. Well, and you know what? Even if they just put out physical releases, we could buy. Yeah, that's all they need to do. They don't even have to be long-term releases. There are plenty of show releases which are out of print and deep on the collector market. But like, yeah, if you want to make it, if you want to make money off of my thing, fine. Take my damn money. You were taking my money every month. I was paying you money to in case I wanted to watch something. Yep. And now I can't. And so now I'm asking. Yeah, no, it's. <sighs> yeah, no, it's it's infuriating. We like there's all there's all these things that are we just don't have a good way of doing of, of doing these like archiving all these important pieces of popular culture. Shit. I I know I, I bitch about this all the time, but I'm going to do it again. The only legal way for you to watch the original Gundam tr- uh, trilogy movies, the, the movie compilations, is the upload on Netflix. Because the home video release doesn't have the original 1981 audio on them. But Netflix does. I can't buy that anywhere. No, really. Yeah. I... It's I, I I'm fr- so frustrated because I just want to enjoy my shows and you know what sometimes I watch things at a kind of leisurely p- pace and maybe I I'm not binging through everything but it really sucks having this added pressure of hey that thing you like you better enjoy it right away because we might just rip it right the frick away from you with no warning. And this piece of of culture, this piece of shared media that meant something to people is is just going to be gone. And it's so some asshole who has never made art in their life but sure profits off the backs of other people's art can get a tax write-off. Yeah. It's fucking so garbage. I, I think we've covered that about as far as... Yep. We're going to take it. Um, yep. So uh, speaking of uh, streaming services and art. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Marvel's big oh, new boy. series, Secret Invasion, premiered this last week. And uh, there's a little bit of hubbub due to the fact that uh, people, uh, it, it's come out that AI art was used in the show's intro. And um, some people are immediately angry. I, I think I'm a bit more empathetic to why people are angry. Like, I know I I it might not be that big a deal, but I, I understand where people are coming from. In the case of this is Disney, they're a gajillion dollar organization. And I think for a lot of people, especially with the timing during the writer's strike, this sure looks like doing a big bit of art and not paying people for it. But you see, that's the thing is that's not what happened. Like that's, Mm -hmm. 
Um, the the opening to the show uh, was actually they hired um, an effects house, which uh, a graphic designer was involved, and they did like um, use AR to generate the images, and they used AI tools for some of it. But the the Disney pretty much paid about as much as they normally pay. That's really the, the okay. this should be the story here, and it it was kind of like. In this particular case, this is actually what we want AI art to be used for, where artists got together with the creative and used AI tools to create the images that um, the the creators of the show wanted to use for the opening. An artist was actively involved in um, using the AI tool to shape okay. its output. Now, I it's true, I do not know about the training model it was used on. I do not know right. what data was used to do that and there is and obviously like there is a conversation to be had there and that's a general ai art ethics conversation and if you're opposed mm -hmm. to that and it turns out that the training model used art without you know anyone's permission like that's a separate argument right, right. that's that's fine but in the supplanting artists and supplanting jobs that's not what happened here like it was like there were active creative people at an effects house that was, you know, was using this as a tool to do the job and they got paid. So it's mm -hmm. the so so I think the real only qualm is just, again, the the if if your issue with the use of AI art is that it's possible. And again, I have no information about the AI training data used in this. Right. Like if it turns out that the AI are that the the training data used to generate the art was sourced unethically, that's something to be mad about. Right. That's a, a general thing. But in the the sense of the way the company, the way that this art house used AI art to generate it for Disney was, I believe, kind of the ideal situation where this is just another artistic tool a graphic designer has. You know what I mean? I can agree with that. I still think the OP looks like ass, but like that's neither yeah. here nor there. I just Unfortunately, that was like my shit. first take as well. Like, <laughs> that like eh, it doesn't look great, but... I, I liked it, but I also... I wouldn't have paid money for that. Like, if, if I paid someone money for animation and then they gave me that, I'd be like, Ken, did you, did you spend the money? Can I get it back? Is that, like... Is that it, it? It's not good. I just, I just think it looks like butt. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna look at it right now because you know. Oh, I thought it looked. Yeah, it's because I watched it when it came out. I thought it looked fine. I, I also watched it when it came out. I, I didn't like it. I still don't like it. <laughs> but I mean. Here's the, the age-old art history tidbit. Art is subjective. I mean, yeah, very true. We, like, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, no, absolutely true. It's, it's but, definitely not my cup of tea. Also, though. though, like, I've seen, like, massively beautiful artistic openings for uh, various Marvel things. And, uh, had people, you know, I just remember all the openings for, like, the Netflix shows that everybody skipped. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I am a I am deeply opposed to the skip opening button. Yes, I think that that's same, an awful same. thing to have. What is the point of view? What is the point of view? Like, if you're watching Star Trek and you are not talking along with the opening thing you know if you're watching strange new worlds and you're not going space 
The Final Frontier, right alongside Captain Pike. I don't know you. I don't get you. You know, you skip the opening on Cowboy Bebop. We're not friends. I'm just yeah. like putting a hard like having the op- the the opening theme with every episode, like really just like helps to to really, I don't know, just like hype you up, hype you up, yeah. imbue you with the vibe of the show. Yes. God. Um, yeah, it's one thing that's always been fantastic, especially with, like with animes. It's been really um like I don't know, really really good. Um cuz I've noticed with like especially ending themes cuz mm. you could have um an episode that is thematically like super different from the previous one and that ending theme still hits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. The, uh, God, the, uh, especially the anime community really, like, as far as, like, theme songs go, has really, uh, built around that. Like, the JoJo community and, um, Roundabout by Rush is a theme in and of itself. I mean, not by Rush, by Yes. I was going to say, Roundabout's by Yes. Funny thing is that you made that mistake, but for years I made the mistake of saying it was by Steely Dan. So don't worry. Mm -hmm. We've all messed up at one point. In my defense, in my defense, the reason why my brain assumed it was by Steely Dan is because there was this mixtape in the car that I also, my brother also drove growing up. And, um, uh, growing up, it was like in our twenties. Um, but we'd both borrowed this so one car weird. from my parents, and my brother left a bunch of mixtapes in there. Facts. And there was one mixtape. There was one mixtape that my brother had that was exclusively Steely Dan, and then Roundabout by Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll. You're going you like from Doctor Wu into Roundabout, and but every time I drive around a Roundabout, I do go. Roundabout, because yes wrote yes wrote that song yes wrote that song a, a while on tour while driving around literal roundabouts but yeah yeah i don't know that's there is something i i love artsy ops but like i also i I want, I'm not one of the people who skipped the Netflix openings. So, yeah, I don't know. Here's here's a, a wild point of reference. I was just at a wedding this weekend, and and they, like, <laughs> I have heard anime theme songs used at weddings. Like, in the ceremony. <laughs> you cannot tell, like, don't skip them. They're important to people. Dig, dig it legitimately uh getting a little far afield but uh that was uh that was uh baby me is like a uh, biggest issue with uh tsunami like a lot of a lot of uh gens in my generation of weebs really put tsunami up on a pedestal but mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't play the openings really ticked me off as a kid and it still kind of bothers me honestly <laughs> Losing a huge piece of the show. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. It's uh it's not great. Like so like the whole thing with the the AI, I think that some like here, I'm not saying don't be mad about it, but I'm saying if you're gonna be mad about it, be mad about it for the right reason. 
That's fair. Like That's it's fair. this is not a situation where we should be mad that like a um like an artist didn't get a job. This is a situation where, you know, if it but if it comes out that the the sourcing of the images and things like that weren't ethically sourced, then yeah, then that's that's an issue. Artist got a job. It's just a weird job. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's that's kind of my like my thought is that like let's always just try to keep the nuance in the conversation. Important. Agreeable. So speaking of nuance. Oh. Not the word I would use here. <laughs> uh, it's less than I saw a Transformers movie. Uh, it was Transformers Rise of the Beasts. The first attempts to make a full-blown Bay film post-Bay. I'm I'm only hurt by that because, as, as you may remember, Raina and I did a rewatch of all the Bay Transformers movies. Yeah. And I'm... As much as this was much more from that school, and you could tell Lorenzo Devon, whatever the hell his name is, was getting his producer uh, fingers in things again, uh, in my opinion, to the detriment of the film, this is still a more cohesive, better put together, and like actually gives a shit about the robots movie than any of the Michael Bay films. I think 2007 gives a shit. You're... I, I, I mean, think you're giving. I I am a apologist for that movie, and I think you're giving I, it too much credit. Orson Kurtzman, <laughs> I think, did a decent job with that script. That's all I'm saying. It's there's many things wrong with that movie, but I think the script is okay. It's a good script. I'll, yeah, I'll give it that. But yeah, no, the there is a there's a lot of things about this movie that don't work. I'm not going to pretend it's like some high art, but as far as popcorn movies go, I feel it was very good. Definitely not Bumblebee good, oh God, no. but, but it was still steps above any of the Bay movies. In my, my, opinion. my, my one problem is that like, is that because they said it in the 90s, so setting it in the nineties was like, if they'd said it in the eighties and it would have felt more directly connected to Bumblebee. Great. And then we could have like maybe seen some of those characters. Um, just because like, I like all of the actors in Bumblebee. Um, <laughs> Agreed. Like, um, like Haley Steinfeld, I would watch, like, read a dictionary. There was a point I was watching multiple, like, because I was watching Dickinson and Hawkeye at the same time. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I amazing. hate to say it, but I'm my guess is that Haley Steinfeld and John Cena aren't exactly in their budget. That's that's my guess. Yeah, well. <laughs> like, yeah, because like, their stars have risen. Yeah, but quite just, a bit since yeah. that last movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they're also the yeah okay, but um, but like I feel like the problem with setting it in the '90s and like I I it's this need to still slot to try to find a contrived way to slot it into the um to the uh the 2007 timeline. Which, <laughs> that's, even that, but, like, that's that's where I was talking about Lorenzo Divan, blah, 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 blah. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. He's the producer at Paramount who's the main person in charge of these movies. Um, 
Lorenzo has been the one really pushing that this is connected to the 2007 movie. Yeah. When left to his own devices, director Stephen Capel Jr. would not agree that it was related to the 2007 films. Yeah. Like, he would often try to say it was a reboot, only for Lorenzo to interrupt him and insist that it was a prequel. Yeah, and I think that's, um, I mean, it is, in in the sense that it's a prequel, they did maintain uh, Optimus Prime's bloodthirsty personality that uh, he's had throughout those movies. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers, uh, but I will say that, like, first off, they call it Rise of the Beasts, but first off, we don't really see their rise. They already exist. And then also, um, most of them are barely in the movie. <laughs> like, we get plenty of Air Razor, who does exactly what Air Razor does. If you're a Beast Wars fan, you'll know exactly what Air Razor does. Um, and, uh, I thought Ron Perlman did a really good job with the material that he had as Primal. Yeah, I will say, first off, I was really impressed with him. I was disappointed that they didn't bring in Gary Chalk because, like, you know, frankly, we know the studio doesn't believe that the fans of Beast Wars will have the reverence that uh, the G1ers will. But um, I'm just like, so let's let's take a look at the Maximals. So Cheetor has like what two lines? Uh, um, he had like four. Yeah, because I was expecting only like two, but I was counting. And I was like, oh, he's talking more than I expected. Rhinox had <laughs> like a line, maybe. Rhinox had a line, maybe. I didn't catch it, but David has, Sabalov. Yeah, he's got a credited voice actor. One of the bad guys. So the. The the Terracon he played got more lines than Rhinox did. Yeah, I did like the fact that they called one of the Terracons Nightbird. Um, that's a deep, deep cut. Um, <laughs> Nightbird was played by the first openly trans actress in these in the Transformers franchise. I was very excited about that. I, I feel like that's. What? Well, okay, yeah, it's, I mean, Nightbird's not even a Transformer in the original continuity. I um, know, but, <laughs> but they, but this was the first, but this, uh, this version of her. No, yeah, I know. Trans actress, I think well, that's it's, really no, cool. No, it is great. It's just, it's like, I mean, with the names of the bad guys, it's like, well, we need a female bad guy. What names do we have? Nightbird? <laughs> I I hate to break this one to you, Trey, but Nightbird ha- has been retconned into a Transformer for like the last ten years. Not like, in the G one continuity. She's been in the G one comics for uh, in the. No, G- no, no. In, I'm uh, I'm talking like. I, okay, but I'm saying in modern modern lore, the G one comics, the War for Cybertron toy line, the Cyberverse cartoon. She's been a Transformer for a while, but <laughs> she is she is Decepticon aligned human built robot. I understand that that's what it was for a long time. That's what she is in the Generation 1 continuity family. Other continuities are... The IDW continuity family is separate from the Generation 1 continuity family. Uh, That's a hard one. Not not every fan would agree with you on that one. No, it's the G1 continuity family only includes uh, the canonical cartoons of... uh, 
it, it's just limited in what it includes. It's only the um, the original Transformers cartoon, Beast Wars and Beast Machines, and then um, some of the Japanese series are like because they don't have to be a single continuity, but some of the Japanese shows then also like Headmasters and uh, the 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 various like Beast Wars Neo and stuff like that. And then the only comics that are included are the Marvel comics. And then no, the UK I, Marvel comics. I know that that's what the standard was for a while, but I'm telling no, you, as someone who still lives in this neighborhood, there's a lot of people who would not here, agree with that. Go to TF Wiki. Go to tfwiki.net right now. They will separate the IDW continuity family from the G1 continuity family. I, 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 I think you would be. If David Willis agrees with me, I'm right. <laughs> All right. David Willis agrees with me. That makes me correct. I think you're upset because you left your hometown and things changed and you don't like that. It's no, I no, that's that's not at all what's happened. <laughs> it's these are separate continuity families. The only thing that crosses all of them is your Unicron and Primus and the Fallen. Like we're talking like the. Original 13, who were their universal singularities, those guys. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the back to the Maximals. Um, <laughs> so all we got, so all we got were, were Optimus Primal, Air Razor, Rhinox, and Cheetor. Um, and then Ape Link, which Ape Link is such a weird deep cut to a BotCon exclusive character. Like, it's not a spoiler to say Ape Link is in there. He's in the opening of the movie. Um, and it's, he's, he's just Ape Link. Like, I don't know how to explain how a repaint of an Optimus Prime toy, Optimus Primal, sorry, Optimus Primal toy, um, got, like, like trans, oh, transmetal well it's because they own the name and they wanted to have like an ape thing die to then hand it to the primal like it, it makes sense and he's the one that... I, as i'd say i i it, yeah i think it's a it's a good old case of we had an earlier cg model that's different from the final one we use and we might as well get some use out of it i mean yeah it's because it's the it, same with why with uh like the i can't 100 percent prove it but it's the same with uh for months they were saying Starscream was a main character in the Bumblebee movie. Yeah. He didn't end up being there, but sure enough, there's a really good digital Starscream model that they call Blitzwing in that movie. So yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's Ape Link is like it's it's just fascinating because all of his previous uh like appearances are like from the three H comics. Like the the convent the botcon exclusive comics, and then like later on like like there's some later stuff, but that's that's where he comes from. It's like oh, it's it's just amazing that like I was I was like I'm watching this with my wife. And you have to understand that Ape Link is I used to be uh you have to understand from the years uh two thousand to two thousand three, my roommate was Sean Course of Famicom Dojo. Mm-hmm. We he was we we lived in a house together, including Sean's massive Transformers collection. Sean was a person who went to Botcon and would get the exclusive toys. So I knew who Ape Link was going into this movie. Like I not I I knew exactly who Ape Link was, and so 
we're watching this movie. I'm like, oh, it must be Primal. And then it's like, oh, it's, it's, there's, that's Ape Link. And I was like sitting there in, cause we went to the drive-in. So I'm sitting there in, in, in our, tr- in my truck with my wife. And I'm just like, did you say Ape Link? Like sitting there in pure astonishment that because I, like, I don't remember if Sean had an Ape Link toy. But I had seen photos, and I, I'm very familiar with the the Transmetal Optimus Primal toy that that was, you know, based on. And I'm just going, like, in my head, like, Ape Link? Like, it's really funny, because I've heard, like, a lot of movie reviewers, like, react to this and, like, talk about, oh, and, like, talk about how, like, oh, he's the gorilla with the surfboard. I'm like, y'all, no, that was the Optimus Primal toy had the, the flying surfboard. He's just a repaint. Like, <laughs> he's a... But so it was the most bizarre experience. And again, you know, Airazer does what Airazer does every single time. So I have to say, though, I heartily disagree with you about the 90s setting being inappropriate. I and I'm it, going to explain to you why. Where I'm did going to, where, don't cut me off? I, You've I, been cutting me off a lot in this bit. Sorry. Let me finish. The 90s setting was extremely appropriate for someone my age, especially because when I was growing up, the exact Transformers line I had was the G2 uh, line directly into Beast Wars. So all of my Transformers toys were a healthy mix of the vehicle Transformers, including Flatnose reissue Optimus Prime and the Beast Wars characters. So this was exactly the movie my little kid self always wanted. That was perfection for that for my generation. So I actually think the 90s setting was perfect. Well, but what made it the 90s? I mean, there was a reference to um like a Super Mario the, Brother game. The excellent um music. Yeah, the but... like heavy use of like we we've been talking just about robots and we've been ignoring like just how much uh Stephen Capel Jr. put his love of 90s hip hop into the movie and one of the things that I think really stands out is that none of the human leads are white and oh, well, that's, like yeah the, uh, but i guess the use of that sorry. 90s hip hop i think really i really like how that pulls things together it's part of the era yeah but how much of that mo- music was diegetic because like as I, I this is a strange example but like guardians of the galaxy can be set in the current day and use the music of other eras to set the tone and you know the music in the most of the music in the film though was it diegetic and or you I, know what i mean like it's i'm saying that like the like yes the use of 90s hip hop in the movie great no complaints do not have any like and i do think it really added to it but i just i feel like we live in an age where there's currently such a retro stuff to the 90s that you could set something you could literally have just changed the subtitle on what year it was and the music would have still felt exactly appropriate. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. Again, because of that that G1 to Beast Wars transition, and because those were literally the years I got into this uh, fandom from, I really felt it was appropriate. But I feel like that's just a... I feel like that makes it just a reference, though. You know what I mean? And not a, a part of the story. And it doesn't even feel like the year setting is even necessary to the aesthetic elements that you're talking about. You know what I well, mean? Well, like, how much was it needed in Bumblebee? 
Like no, I, it's a valid I, point. I it's I feel like could, yeah. the only my only thought about Bumblebee is that it was when you're trying to shoehorn in a movie into the continuity, setting it prior to the events to allow you to fit. Like the only reason why I think that any of these are set in the prior years is purely so they can shoehorn the continuity into the 2007 movies. I mean, and that's yeah, the only reason like, why I'm complaining about it is because there's any, I don't think they put any thought into the continuity of the 2000s movies because they weren't putting any thought into the continuity when they were coming out. I, I feel like there's been some degree. Well, no, but like attempt to justify and, and tie it in. Like, I think they think that people won't see the movies if they aren't directly connected. I think that they're afraid to. I, I think that I definitely think that there are producers who are afraid to uh, touch like saying that the movies guess, that yeah. people like don't count. Yeah. Like, I definitely think that that's a thing. Yeah. But like the idea that anyone ever cared about continuity. Well, yeah. In, it, even the movies well, is laughable. Because you go from movie one, Optimus and Megatron hated each other. Movie two, actually Megatron was working for another guy. Movie three, actually Optimus was also working for another guy. So they were actually middle management under two well, other guys. Yeah, it's when I say continuity, I don't mean the kind of continuity that you and I care about between stories. I mean the, con the kind of continuity that people care about the Fast franchise. You know what I mean? Like where the the where the casual person sees a connection and doesn't look like the details like you are like thinking of continuity the way you and like the way I think about Star Trek, you know, which is, you know, not the way that like there's there's continuity and then there's continuity. I don't think they care about canon. You know what I mean? Mm. But anyways, that's I, I actually do like this movie. Like, let's be really clear here. <laughs> like we actually <laughs> oh, both really? agree. I roughly, have no idea. No, it's like we actually both roughly agree about the quality of the movie. I, I just like my only complaint is that like I didn't feel like we had enough Maximals in it. Like it's only two Maximals felt like characters. Um, I guess technically three if you count Ape Link's brief scene at the beginning because he did feel like a character, but he felt like a character who immediately died. Um, and again, opening scene. I know that's technically a spoiler, but it's in the if it's in the first five minutes, it's not much of a spoiler. It's set up. Um, I think it was done as a, I think the, the main reason the Maximals are here are so we have a, uh, it was to uh, test audiences reaction so they yeah. can go do a Maximals movie later. Well, and that would be great. It, like that's my, yeah, my, honest my, impression. my issue with the Maximals mostly is that they didn't transform early enough. What is this beast machine season one? Um, it's that's it. And, and they just didn't have enough, like they weren't, characters enough like i could have done with like you know they could have like reduced the number of autobots by one and then given rhinox and cheetor some stuff to do you know what i mean but also and this is the most important thing about the maximals that i did not like and that is they are missing the most important one rat trap yeah that's fair rat trap who's in the G1 continuities, great aunt is Arcee. And these are supposed to be descendants of the Autobots from the future. There could have been a familial connection between the new ones and the old ones. But actually, just more importantly, Rat Trap's the most fun maximal. He's, cano he's canonically older than Optimus Primal. He is the most experienced one of them. 
um, and he is small and funny, and they could have thrown Scott McNeil some work. <laughs> I I do appreciate where Stephen Capel Jr. was coming from, though, where he yeah. said he, there were a lot of characters he wanted to use, and he was just being realistic about what he could fit in the movie. Yeah, no, it's and that the, the, he had yeah, too yeah, many yeah. characters in the first place. It's, and I, think, I understand. I, I think they should have dropped an Autobot and then given, um, like, I think dropping an Autobot and then given more lines to the like, you know, because I, I I don't think it. Okay, here's the thing: I don't want to cut Arcee. Because I love RC, but her plot functionality versus all the other like Autobots was probably the least. You know what I mean? Like it's because you're not going to cut Bumblebee. Mirage is there for Mirage needs to be there. Obviously, he's like kind of our Bumblebee for this movie. I think movie. she contributed more than Wheeljack did. She did, but it's, like <laughs> Wheeljack. So here's the thing: Wheeljack is kind of there as like the local appearing. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I think we'll like I could have done without. Yeah, she was more important than Wheeljack. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like that balance could have been done better. I do say I loved Peter Dinklage's scourge. I love the fact that they effectively combined the two scourges into one character. Because scourge in the um, G one continuity, of course, is uh, the Herald of Unicron, and what's and that this guy gets sent uh, this. Uh, um, elements from but then also the best toy ever made called scourge is of course the repaint of laser optimus prime who appeared in uh robots in disguise uh the first one uh <laughs> also known as car robots um that uh that was a black semi truck with a, a long nose semi truck that clearly his alt model was based off of that scourge Right. So it was mm -hmm. fun to like and like and also he was supposed to be an equal to Optimus Prime in that form, too. So like combining the two scourges into one was actually, I thought, like a brilliant narrative choice. Yeah, no, I love that. I also I also loved um, honestly, my favorite plot point was uh, Optimus Primal saying when someone was like, hey, did you guys, ancient alien guys, like, build the Nazca lines and pyramids? And he's like, no, that's stupid and racist. You humans can handle that on your own. Yeah. I loved that. That it's, was very good. My only real big complaint about the movie, and it's not really a big complaint, it's just a thought, is that Hasbro, stop trying to make G.I. Joe happen. Uh, counterpoint, uh, I have not gotten back from my friend Grant in England. Um, Grant, I need to know, did they change the card from G.I. Joe to Action Force in your theater? I need to know this, Grant. Please let me know right now. Grant in England, you know who you are. Help me out here. All right. I think I think that's we've we've bored again enough with uh, with transformers. Oh, I can talk now again! Yay! Well, I don't know if either one of us could talk because uh, one last topic on here is uh, across the Spider Verse, which Celeste saw. Nope. And neither one of, I didn't see it either. I didn't see it yet. Hey, Celeste, tell us, uh, give us your non-spoiler review of Across the Spider Verse. It's good. Right, but seriously, um. The first Spider-Verse movie was something akin to a religious experience for me. So I didn't know uh, if they'd be able to top that. But, well, it's about on par 
really, uh, really fun movie with a lot of heart, despite the fact that the trailer rightfully shows you that there's uh, an even larger gaggle of spider people than last time. The movie very smartly still some too many cooks. You'd think that you'd think that except for the fact that the movie. Sorry. Except for the fact that the movie really, really works hard to develop Miles and Gwen as characters. And despite all these bombastic scenes, you get to spend a lot of time getting to know them. Hell, um, again, I don't, without, uh, any spoilers, the writers made the frankly incredible decision that like the first 10 straight minutes of the movie are just in the Gwenverse, like just doubling down on her characterization and giving us more of what she's like. And then when we finally bounce back to miles, it really feels like this is a proper sequel to his story, not just an excuse to have a lot of spider people show up and fear not. A lot of spider people do show up. Um, the, both of the antagonists of the story, both the straight up villain spot and the, uh, antagonistic Spider-Man of 2099 played by, uh, the just perfect Oscar Isaac, just brings so much to this story. And the there's only two things that I've heard as legit negatives for this movie. One being how many people forgot that in the intervening years that when it was originally announced that this movie was announced as uh, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, because this, it, this has a cliffhanger. Okay. The ending's a bit of a cliffhanger. So, um... Get ready for a bit of a wait, but it's a really good film, though, so I can deal with the cliffhanger. But yeah, it leaves on an excellent cliffhanger and the recent stuff that's come out. Unfortunately, that the production side of the movie sounds like it was a bit of a mess and a whole lot of animators like some some reports are saying around 100 animators quit the movie just because they couldn't deal with the working conditions. And that really freaking sucks. Like, this yeah. is a beautiful film to look at. Things are... <sighs> the thing from the first movie they double down on, there's a punk Spider-Man. Uh, he's literally drawn as if he's from, a like, a unofficially published zine. So, like, he constantly looks like there's pieces of paper cut out around him. Little letters are appearing and disappearing in his coloration because, you know... He's punk Spider-Man. Um, and he's... Hobie is just so cool, it's not even fair. Uh, Daniel Keula lends his voice. Phenomenal performance. Uh, we get to see... Just some... Um, just Again, just some really amazing character moments. And also, Oscar Isaac's uh, character's plotline may be a not-so-subtle takedown of asshole fans who try to gatekeep the franchise from newcomers. And I also really, really love that. So, uh, Sony, treat your animators better. This, the, You shouldn't have to hurt people to make art this beautiful. Because it's... It's a very good movie. It's at least as good as the first one. Let's just treat our animators better. That's my big takeaway. Go see Spider-Man.
All right. Well, let's move on to... Uh, well, so there's not going to be a Vomit Hat Steve challenge this episode. Uh, there are oh, many no. copies of that... Uh, of, of, of Here, here, I'll give you a line. <laughs> the boy who stood in the turbo lift, his eyes wide as owls, seemed small for his age. He'd be about 15, but he sported a hint of auburn hair that crowned his mother's head. There you go. Ah. If you know what book that's from, write right in, and that's uh, and uh, maybe you'll get in the Hall of Awesome. The current members of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. They are. Where's that link to the Hall of Awesome? There we go. I have to actually open it up. They are Archimedes, Zero, Raina Innocenti, Cheesy McDamu, Krista, Sutheridi, Shameless Otaku, The Random Ramblings, Man, Nicor Fan, Capito, Chris Graham, Lulisaurus, Paper Godzilla, Cavsy, Minnesota Librarian, Sean Orange, Keith Shizuo, Sakura Sunset, Joel Carson, Tactic, Del Anti, Wonderland Arts, and Megzi Sass Council. All right. There. So technically, we did do the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. Uh, if you don't know what just happened, Yay. go listen to a different episode. I'll explain it. All right. So. If you're wondering what we're doing instead of that is we are going to do another quiz. It's time for Gen and Celeste to take a quiz. It's quiz time with Yeah! And here's your host, Trey Darn. Welcome, welcome, and here are our contestants, Celeste and Gen. This episode, we are taking a quiz. So, you know, one of the things, uh, we, I, so some of us don't, didn't get to see every movie. Gen didn't see, uh, you know, Transformers. I didn't see uh, in, Across the Spider-Verse, and none of us saw The Flash. Not a single one of us. And, of course... We all agreed that the only reason someone would see The Flash, not should, but would see The Flash, is to see Michael Keaton's Batman. Am I right? Yeah, I can get behind that. All right. Maybe so, Sasha Kaye, but, you know. I thought, well, yeah, very true. I agree with that. But uh, with that in mind, we are going to take a quiz about the 1989 movie Batman. Again, how confident are you feeling right now? Not very, but let's do it. Hooray. All right. So this is a this is a question. So this is a quiz I've gotten from funtrivia.com. It uh, is 10 questions. It is rated uh, as average and the difficulty. And the average score that people taking this quiz get is six out of ten. Okay. Okay. So here is your first question. One of the robbers from the beginning of the movie was talking about a mutual friend, quote, getting ripped and walking off a roof. The other robber said that, quote, the bat got him. What was the name of the friend that fell off the roof? No idea. Was it Frank Calrone? Was it Don Hobb? Was it Joe Gibb? Or was it Johnny Gobbs? I have no idea. Celeste, do you have any 
Uh, I like the last two. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you like either Joe Gibb or Johnny Gobbs. I will remember yeah. you do have uh, three 50-50s you can use throughout this quiz. Let's 50-50 it. I feel confident that's one of those. Sadly, it's limited down to Joe Gibb or Johnny Gobbs. Oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a genius. <laughs> one of those is correct. One of them Johnny is Gobbs. Johnny kind of, Gobbs. Final Johnny answer? Gobbs. Correct, Johnny Gobbs! Yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> we and, totally knew it all along. Yup. All right, Johnny Gobbs. All right, question number two. This is an easier one, but if you remember the movie, uh, if you don't remember the movie, uh, this won't be easy. But uh, number two, Harvey Dent was the DA in Gotham City. In this movie, he was campaigning to fight a war on crime in Gotham. Who played Harvey Dent? Was it Carl Weathers? Was it Reginald Val Johnson? Was it Ernie Hudson? Or was it Billy D. Williams? It was Billy D. Billy D. What's the on this one? Yeah, it's, it was it's, Billy, it's D. Billy D. Well, Billy That's, D. Williams. I, that was the one gimme on here. Love him. One of Knox's. So here's the third question. One of Knox's fellow reporters handed him a sketch of a bat creature wearing a suit. On the corner of the picture was the name of the artist. Who is listed as having drawn the picture? Is it H.R. Geiger? Is it Frank Miller? Is it Bob Kane? Or is it Alex Ross? It would make sense for it to be a Kane cameo. I want to say it's Bob Kane because he was taking credit for everything at that point. Is yeah. That, is that your answer? Yeah, we'll go with Bob Kane. We're going to go with Bob Kane. That is correct. Piece of shit. It is Bob Kane, yet again, <laughs> screwing over Bill Finger. <laughs> All right, here we go. Bruce Wayne was helped by his faithful butler, Alfred. Which actor played Alfred in the movie? Was it Michael Goh, Jack Palance, Pat Hingle, or Tracy Walter? Hmm. Okay, this one I'm not sure. <laughs> I have no idea. I think after all those movies he was in, he would leave an impression on me, but but he really didn't. And do remember, you do have two more 50-50s left. Let's do a 50-50. Yeah. yeah. All right, the remaining names are Michael Goh and... Tracy Walter. What do you think, Ken? Uh, I don't. I really have no idea. I, I don't know, know either. either of these I don't. People are. Was I'm, gonna it? Go with, hmm? I'm gonna go with Tracy because I like that name. Is that the answer you're going for? Sure. Oh, sadly, it was Michael Go. Here's one that is a pure crapshoot that if you get this one right, I will be surprised. What number apartment did Vicky Vale live in? Was it Shit. nine, four, seven, or two? Huh. <laughs> 
I never want to meet anyone who likes this movie that much. I'm gonna I <laughs> want that off. This quiz is wild because we'll range from like insanely easy, like the Billy D one, and then like what number was the apartment? I don't remember this. Is it nine four seven or two? I don't remember anything. Some maniac knows this, and I absolutely hate them. I want them to know <laughs> that if I hear this. It's going to be like Arkham is sitting there going like, I remember numbers. Let's go with seven. Just because. Is that your answer? Yep. Yeah. Sadly, it was nine. Okay. God damn it. <laughs> I had... All right. Um, who did the musical score for Batman? Was it Robert Smith, Danny Elfman, Nick Beggs, or Billy Idol? Daniel the Elfman. It was Danny Elfman. Boingo, Boingo himself. That is correct. Here's a one that we'll see how you do. Who played Alexander Knox in the movie? A character I don't even remember. Was it Robert Wool? Was it Kevin Pollock? Was it Albert Brooks? Or was it Steve Gutenberg? See, I don't like all these questions about specific actors. <laughs> I don't remember actors for movies I have seen in the past. Five I did years. not review anything past the third question before doing this quiz with y'all. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember a character named Knox in this movie. I'll give you a clue that he was an investigative reporter trying to uncover the story behind Batman. He and Vicki Vale teamed up to try and reveal the truth about Batman, and the character was created solely for the movie. That's why ah. we don't remember him. I remember his character. I couldn't have told you this act. Actually, I could have figured out from this actor's name as the only actor I couldn't picture in my head. <laughs> Yeah, but you're good at, like, actor. I'm weirdly face-blind sometimes. I mean, it's just he's the other major reporter character in the movie, if you remember the other the guy reporter who was working with Vicki Vale. I remember... I don't remember anything about this film, it turns out. <laughs> Gotta watch Batman '89 again. You do have one more fifty-fifty. Uh, let's let's use it. Why not? Okay. Might as your, well use your, it. Your remaining choices are Robert Wool or Steve Gutenberg. I think it's Robert Wool. Is that your answer? Sure. You, sure. You're correct. It is Robert Wool because you would say, definitely would remember, remember if the Goots was, was in, in it. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's Robert Wool. Yeah, it's yeah. He's he's a report. Like I remembered his character once I saw that who they were talking about, but I couldn't picture the just off the name Robert Wool in my head. But Kevin Pollock, I can I know who that is. The Goots and Albert Brooks, I know who all of those people look like. So it would have been like the one name I couldn't match to a different face. All right. In the movie, Bruce Wayne hosted a charity casino night. He told the waiter to open more cases of what at the casino night. Was it beer? Was it champagne? Was it wine? Or was it spirits? Uh, 
champagne. Is that your answer? Let's go with champagne. Uh, champagne feels Champagne-pagan. right. Correct. Yeah. Here's one for you that I'm sure that you will hate. Bruce Wayne's parents died in the alley between what two streets? Park and Grant, <laughs> Pearl and Phillips, 18th and Montclair, or Harvard and Fifth? For some reason, I want to say Pearl and Phillips, but I'm probably just thinking of Martha's stupid, cheap a necklace. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, is that your answer? Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Ken? Why not? Let's go with it. You're right. It's Pearl and Phillips. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, those movies were so heckin', like, cheesy. Of course they would have thrown in, like, weird little, like, nods to random stuff. All right. Here's the last one that I'm sure you'll hate. But it's the final question, so you'll be overjoyed when you're done. (laughs) <laughs> At the end of the movie, the Joker kidnapped Vicky Vale and retreated into Gotham City Cathedral. He radioed his henchmen to pick him up in a helicopter at the top. How many minutes did Joker request until the chopper picked him up? Five minutes? Twenty minutes? Fifteen minutes? Or ten minutes? You're right. I do hate this. Yeah, I, I hate this. I do, in fact, hate this. <laughs> Five, ten, fifteen, or twenty, my friends. Do we have any more fifty fifties? Nope, you use the last one. Uh, five minutes. Is that your answer? Yeah, I'll go with that. Irritatingly, it's ten. Uh, so let's let's uh-oh. total your your results here. You guys got seven out of ten. What? Which That's the, so a C. The average result on this is a six out of ten. Yeah, we did better than average. So you did better than the average person on funtrivia.com. Ha <laughs> ha, suck it. Suck it, you avros. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, now I got to figure out how to end the episode. Okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is Nern Ty. I've been Trey Dorn. I am still Celeste. I have once... I once saw a Batman movie. One time. You should watch the Battenson one. But, it's pretty but, good. Yeah, the Battenson one's pretty good. Yeah, but you should say your name and who you are, though. I am the Batman. You heard it first. Batman's identity revealed. Yep, it's Genjamin. It's Genjamin. It oh, was Genjamin all along. Genjamin is billionaire Bruce Wayne. I'd rather be Man Bat. I, I wouldn't. I would not want to be Man Bat. First I off, like I like Man Bat. I like shirts, and I like having shirts that fit. And um, anyways, this has been Nerd and Tie, and like you can totally subscribe to the show on like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, like all that stuff. And you should rate and review us on those things because man, that like totally juices us in the algorithm and stuff. And uh, you can follow this show on social media. We are at on Twitter. Uh, we're at Nerd and Tie on Tumblr. We're Nerd and Tie on Facebook. We're Facebook.com for and wait for it. Nerd and Tie. You can like join us on Discord and like talk to us and stuff. And we got an invite for that. 
at nerdandtie.com slash discord. And we're part of like a whole network, like this whole network of shows that like cover stuff from actual play podcasts, like the phenomenal Stormwood and Associates and the Meat Grinder and Let's Be Legendary to witchcraft podcasts like BS Free Witchcraft and Hex Positive. Like Famicom Dojo and Casual Trek are just sitting out there with your best nerd stuff. You can watch Celeste's best videos on YouTube. Nerd and Ty has everything you need to waste your life and at least spend some time during this writer's strike because you're going to run out of content on these streaming services soon. But our content is right there. So it's Please right, watch the right, video. It's right there. There are hundreds of Stormwood episodes. Dear Lord, we made them for you and we want you to love them. Anyway, so like... Dude, you should do that. And remember, you can support the show financially. Like, if you got a few dollars to throw our way, uh, I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. Celeste, she's got a Patreon at patreon.com slash Celeste is best. And again, sell stuff on the internet under what name again? Cryptid Arcade. And you can buy some cool-ass shit that you could, like, give to, like, your friend for their birthday, which I'm sure is coming up soon, and you just forgot about mm -hmm. it. And, like, you could totally get them something. Like, what are you waiting for? Get out there and do it. Anyways, man, it's been real fun talking to you this month. We're all about it. We're all about that flow and all about the nature of mankind slowly drifting into the sun as we burn up in the light of fandom's embrace. You know what I mean, man? Keep on spocking in the free world. That's so deep. That's so deep. That's so deep. Hell yeah. Celeste, you know, that's really, that's, that's really deep. We're like in the only state in our entire area that like we're completely surrounded by places with legal weed you cannot get it here you it can't is get it here. and i was about to make a terrible submarine joke but i won't 